With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022, and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm joined by Tony Haggerty and Amy Canavan for the Axon Bulletin. It's 12.30. It's Monday. It's always the reaction podcast we get at 12.30. A reaction. I look back on the weekend um, and obviously it was just last night. I kept saying it was night time. It felt night time even when we kicked off at four o'clock, Amy. Uh, you were at the game. What was your over, overall view of the game yesterday? Just didn't say it in the same way that we just said it before we came on live. <laughs> I'll get the bleeper. I'll get the bleeper out. Exactly. Watch me get cancelled by my mom and my gran. Um, it was far from a classic. Put it that way. I think it obviously at four 0 you look at the scoreline and you think yeah, but it was it was by no means you know like I say it, it wasn't a classic. It wasn't a, an amazing performance 
by all means the second half is certainly more enjoyable but I think enjoyable is probably a little bit of a stretch there wasn't a lot of great football played but it was very much a, a cup tie in that sense that you know just ensure you get through the next round there was always the potential of a banana skin um not that I really felt that Wraith came out too much um but other than that I don't think it's one that you'd be sitting you know mulling over too much I think you just try and try and forget but I think a lot of changes were made obviously um I don't think they all worked out there was a real lack of fluency I think more than anything I think that that's probably the 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 biggest omission and the biggest change from what we've seen recently that there was a real lack of fluency um but other than that yeah it was to be honest it was a pretty miserable night it was absolutely freezing it was bucking it down as well um and it took me about half an hour to get off of London Road so it was a great night Excellent. I love to hear it. I love to hear it. Now, Scott's um, autocorrect has misspelled Valentine's. So a happy Valentine's to everybody who's out there. Hopefully you got loads of cards in the post, ladies and gentlemen. Tony, what about yourself last night? You know, was it was it the free-flowing, the, the rip-roaring? I think you'll find it was very much the, the opposite, polar opposite of that, wasn't it? It wasn't rip-roaring, free-scoring and never boring. I wrote on the Celtic way, it was pretty uninspiring. You will file in the draw named uninspiring. I also said, even entertainers have an off day, don't they? Those of an older persuasion will be able to tell you that the Lisbon Lions weren't always on point, were they? I believe. So I think, you know, he made seven changes again. Me and Amy were talking about that off air. So you expect a kind of dip, but, but you also expect those that come in to say, this is why I should be playing. And against Wraith Rovers, you expected to see more, and you you didn't get it. Yeah, the scoreline looks looks very convincing, but it wasn't uh, a dominant free-flowing performance with fluidity and cohesion uh, as the manager would have liked. And the manager even brought it up. And mm-hmm. he said, if, if the guys think that they can just comfortably sail through, especially the first half, when you actually heard them screaming, mm-hmm. he was screaming. And it's the first signs of real, real animation by Ange. And, I'm, and by I mean animation, I'm talking about shouting at players for playing it back. And uh, he was getting ripped into them in the first half, and rightly so, because he said that's unacceptable to him, that he won't accept players coasting or being comfortable. Now, they were never in any danger, granted. But uh, you you expected to see the fringe players that came in and got a chance to show a lot more than they did, with the with the exception of Liam Scales, who I'm sure we'll come to, who has shown in every outing that he's had that he can be trusted by the manager yeah. mm-hmm. moving forward, scored a wonderful goal. And, you know, a, a lot of players just off it yesterday, even the, the reliable Cameron Carter-Vickers, I thought that was his... I was couching was it worst performance, but he wasn't his usual self. You know, so there's a lot of things that were lacking yesterday. But bottom line, they won for nothing, they're through to the last eight of the cup, but I think the manager's tone after it told you exactly what he thought, that they won't be allowed to play like that again. And those that maybe came in maybe didn't do themselves any justice or in the eyes of the manager. Well, Paul reckons that's maybe why he coughs so much because he, he growls and shouts on the touchline. But as you say, Tony, it really is the first time we've seen that side of Ange on the touchline. Uh, he was he was bitterly disappointed with the performance. He spoke after the game where he said it was nowhere near mm. uh, what you know 
going to satisfy him. Um, but to be honest with you, mate, I take that, I take that as a positive because, like Tony says, we got through it unscathed. Um, I was looking at my preferred lineup against the actual lineup, and there were six players in there that I didn't expect to play. And then one of them being Ralston because I thought Juranovic would have been back. He's still ill. But that that's obviously, in the back of my mind, the personnel being thrown together, you're not going to get the same kind of dynamic, uh, particularly with the partnerships that have been getting built up. But even then, Ange is, is saying that's still not good enough. Even if I put in six new players into a team that haven't played a great deal together, I still expect better. But I take that as a positive, Amy, because we're not going to allow the standards to drop. Ange isn't going to allow it, is he? No, I, I totally agree with you. I think he said like he's not going to take out any cop outs, um, and, and that was clear, you know. And there, there was the changes, but it wasn't like the changes were fringe players. You know, these are guys who were playing, you know, a, a lot last season or in seasons gone by, and would be making it pretty much maybe eight or nine other Premiership teams um, across the league. So they're not totally, you know, it's not like he, he bred in a, a bunch of youngsters. I think that's where the frustration will come from as well. It's guys he thinks he should be able to rely on and evidently he, he couldn't. You know, you look at, especially James Forrest, and I, I've waxed lyrical about James Forrest a, a lot on this show, but he's somebody who Anne should be able to rely on and still perhaps not have the, the speed that, that Abada perhaps offers, but you'd be expecting the kind of same contribution and as the, the, the same balls into the box, the same beating of the man, you know. James Forrest, you should be able to think, right, if I chuck him in, I'm going to still get service into into Yakimakis, but, but that wasn't really there. Um and and I think that could, could kind of be said for for a few players. I know I, I'm picking on Forrest there, but I think that's where the frustration will really stem from. That it wasn't you know guys plumped out of nowhere that that Postecoglou brought in. It was guys who sh- he should feel and felt that he could rely on, and, and guys that we all uh, as a support certainly think we should be able to rely on as well. Mm-hmm. Well, that that takes us on to the the likes of Liam Scales. I think we're all confident now, Tony, that if Juranovic drops out. You're quite happy for Ralston to come in. Um, and I think that on the left-hand side, there has always been this concern this season around the left-back area uh, because we had Montgomery, who played a few games. Some Sometimes I thought he performed pretty well, but now he's out on loan to try and get him some more game time at Aberdeen. And of course, he's just joined Aberdeen and they've lost the manager. So I don't know how his loan period is going to work out for him. You need a bit of stability, I think, when you go to a new club under those circumstances. Ball and golly, so far out the picture, he's not going to play. I mean, he's been thrown in twice this season. Didn't play particularly bad, but, you know, we're, we're looking for a, a club for ball and golly. So it's it's tailoring skills. And up until maybe yesterday, I'm looking at skills and wondering if he is, uh, you know, better at left back or in the centre half position on the left hand side. And there is a point coming up here in relation to the fact that Scales is a better option than Taylor. I'm, I'm not quite there yet on Scales. I think that he's a good backup option, Tony. What's your view on Liam Scales? Well, first and foremost, what you talk about, Andrew's raging or angry because, as Amy says, they weren't so much fringe players. The players that train the first team every day. They know that intensity that he plays at. And he mentioned the point of saying, these guys know what I expect. They, they do it at training every day so that when it's replicated on game day, he wants that effort. He wants that to become second nature. And he didn't see that from from a lot of the team yesterday, with possibly the notable exception of Liam Scales. 
Liam Scales played at quite a high tempo or mm. tight. Mm-hmm. And he scored a cracking goal, lovely pass from Rogic, who another who was maybe off it. But that's where he was getting it, that high tempo, that high intensity, which he has knocked into those players. So they know the expectations when they go into the game. And he, I think it was the whole lacklustre and lackadaisical approach by some players who were comfortable, he said, and, and that's not good enough. So if you train and you train like that every day, then he said that that should be second nature, that you translate that intensity into game day. You should be, and it shouldn't matter about making seven changes. These guys should be coming out the traps the, the way the manager wants to play. You know, the same intensity they started against Rangers, you know, the way they played against Motherwell. Yeah. Recent games, and to an extent, Aberdeen in the first half, even though it became a tight one at 3-2, fair enough. But that's what he wants. That's why he was saying that's unacceptable. But I think Scales can hold his head up high because alongside Jota, they were the two that performed yesterday. Mm. Or they were two, in, in my opinion, of the 11 uh, that they finished with that performed. Yeah, I'm not at the stage where Scales is better than Taylor because I think Taylor's having a, a purple patch in his Celtic career at the minute. But I tell you what, he's running on mighty close. Mm-hmm. Scales running Taylor mighty close is dragging performances out of Taylor. And the two of them at training are going hammering tongs and playing at that high intensity. It's a win-win for the manager, isn't it? Oh, yeah. But as I said earlier, that Scales has shown you that he can be trusted moving forward. You would not bat an eyelid if Scales was to feature in a big match and there's big and the rest now are big big matches for Celtic mm-hmm. so they got 12 left in the league the last uh, the quarter final of the Scottish and the last 32 of the Europa Conference so if Scales was to feature in any of those games now between now and the end of the season you wouldn't bat an eyelid you're, you're quite comfortable with them there now and I'm allowing the the calibre of the opposition but he still stuck out yesterday that's what you want players to do against that calibre of opposition. If you really do want to be a first-team regular at Celtic, you should be standing out. And Scales did. His goal apart, I thought he took his goal brilliantly. Oh, it was brilliant, yeah. I mean, you're talking about uh, going into all of these games. So potentially, domestically, we've got 15 games left, potentially, if we continue to progress in the Cup. But like you say, Tony, we've also got every game in Europe is going to be massive. And if you look at Scales' first game, which was against Wraith Rovers in the League Cup, against his latest game in the Scottish Cup. In the first game, it's a step into the unknown, Amy. You don't really know how he's going to adapt from Irish to Scottish football. But now, we've seen enough of him in the Dundee United game, again, that was mentioned earlier. You've seen enough of him in that game and last night to know that he can hold his own, certainly domestically. I would like to see him, I don't think it's going to happen on Thursday, incidentally, but I would like to see him tested in Europe as well. But we're now in a position where, in the two full-back positions, playing in an inverted full-back roles, Amy, you're pretty confident with the first and the second choices. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I felt skills, I, I felt like he did have a good game, but and it was only, you know, it increased really in, in that second half when he had Yota in front of him. I saw a lot of frustration from him in the first half, you know, he was trying to link up with Mikey Johnson. It wasn't happening. Hatati as well, was there was frustration there. It just wasn't working down that, that flank with, with Johnston. But I felt in the second half, you know, he, he really did come into his own having Yota in front of him that he just... He, he tried that ball and you know there was there was a decent chance that something was going to come off it. Um mm-hmm. 
So I, I think that it, it, it proves as well, you know, you're only go, you're going to be better when you're playing with better players. But he didn't look out of touch. He didn't look out of place playing with Kyoto. You know, he was kind of, I'm not saying that he's on the same level. I'm not comparing the two, but he was able to think, right, where's that, that guy so good? Where's that guy going to be? And it was just a little bit better cohesion, really, um, that I don't think was there in the first half. I think there was a lot of frustration from Scales. Um, I don't think... That it's quite so solid at the back though. Um, I did. I don't think him and, and Welsh linked up too great. I think there was a but in the first half probably the back line there was just quite a lot of miscommunication. Um, it wasn't the most vintage defensive performance. I know when you've got a clean sheet that sounds stupid, but if you watch that there was a lot of nervy moments. And I do think perhaps a, a more clinical opposition really could have took advantage of that because there was a lot of you know intakes of breath, sharp intakes of breath, but. No, there is a confidence if, if Scales in, you're not looking at it. If you saw the team line, you're not going, oh my God, Scales is in. It's, um, there's just kind of comfort. I think you know what you're going to be getting with them. Um, and I think he's definitely pushing Greg Taylor to the performances that we've seen of Taylor of late because he knows there's a guy right, right, right on his heels, really. Yeah, I mean, you were talking about sharp intakes of breath, uh, none more so than when Joe Hart is uh, playing keep ball at the corner flag. Now, you weren't far away from that action, Amy. At the beginning of the season, when we weren't really used to the way that we were going to be playing out the back, because for me, playing at the back is just that. It's not tippy-tappying at the back to the point where your goalie's at the corner flag and he's playing the ball into his own box. You know, for me, I was thinking, wow, we're taking this to another level. Was that the kind of sloppiness you're talking about, Amy? People that are, like Tony said earlier, they're coasting a wee bit. And, you know, it's not, I don't think it's cockiness. It's just a wee bit sloppy because one misplaced pass there and Wraith Rovers are going to score a goal. I mean, there's no doubt about that. You've got an open goal with a goalkeeper at the corner flag. I did find that a wee bit unusual when I'm, you know, I'm loath to criticise Joe Hart, but that was a bit bizarre last night. When it pays off, you know, it all looks silky and you're like, oh, they're slow in control. But if that goes, you know, let's say one rogue ball, um, the pitch, was, it was it was a, like that stupid rain last night. Uh, one slip and, you know, it looks it's so embarrassing and you look at a complete and utter fool. So I just think as much as everything's going well, you need to, like you say, it's, I'm reluctant to say sloppy, but it's just a, a, a lapse in concentration, really. Like, don't get too big for your boots. There was that kind of comfort. I think the worst thing that, that happened to Celtic in that first half was conceding. Um, mm. I felt everything just became really rather, like, nonchalant, really, afterwards. And there was just, there was no desire, you know, like in, in recent games, there's been that desire to go get the second and the third and, and to really push in that first half. There just seemed to be such a an age, really. But at one nil, it only takes that one slip, one slip ball even. Um, so yeah, it was not what you really want to be seeing. You do that. I think my, my dad says he's like, you do that at four or five up. You don't do that at one when you've still got you know sixty minutes a game to play or, or however long it was at the time. So I, I'd cut that out of the game if I was honest. And yeah, you're reluctant to obviously criticise Joe Hart in any man of the means, but trying to chip a ball back across your face your goal when you're not in the goal um, yeah there's a lot of intakes of breath yeah I mean I was thinking back uh, playing it out of the back is great Tony but we we don't want to get into Rennie Hugator territory do we now I know that you interviewed Valderrama um, a few years back did you ever get the chance to speak to Hugator mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. 
Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Uh, sadly not, but that because that would have been brilliant. But I, I've told the Valderrama story before, but if I haven't, I'll, I'll quickly... We, we arranged to see Valderrama at the Miami... No, no, Miami... Uh, Tampa Bay, or Tampa, Fusion Lovers team, he was playing for Tampa Mutiny. Mm-hmm. And because uh, we were out there with the Claimers, and so we thought, oh, two birds of one, so we'll go and see Valderrama. So we speak to uh, As you do, as you do, Tony. Yeah, as you do, you just think, oh, he's there, so we may as well speak to him. So we arrange it with the press officer at Tampa uh, Mutiny. Yeah, no problem, you can come up and see him, great, magic. We get there, and basically... Valderrama does not speak any English, and I'm talking like none at all. And so we say, do you have someone who can translate? Uh, I think he, he was like, the press officer was like, hmm. So he brings in some chef boy, I think, that was just kind of, you know, because he, he had the aprons on and all that, and the trousers and he sat down beside Valderrama. There then follows 15 minutes of excruciating questions, and Valderrama just looking at us. I mean, he's hugged as if we were his long lost brothers, and it's great. And he's just sitting smiling and nodding, and the guys asking questions, and yet we're getting absolutely nowhere. It was like Monty Python's My Hovercraft is full of eels sketch, you know, all that kind of stuff. And eventually, I've just said, Carlos, me, Glasgow, Celtic. And he just puts his thumbs up and he goes, Glasgow, Celtic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he smiles. And I'm thinking, I look at the guys and say, that's it. He wants to end his career at Glasgow Celtic. You heard it here first. And a thousand words later, we've written in the newspaper that Carlos Valderrama was open to a move to Glasgow Celtic. It's the only words of English that he spoke, but we're all, we all kill ourselves laughing when we think about it. You know, we, we had a gap in the paper to fill. So he's kind of, you know. You'd, a, you'd have loved to have seen him in the hoops, though. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was you know, that, that was. You know, you're sitting there beside Carlos Valderrama. <laughs> it's like one of those most surreal things in your life, you know. And yeah, and I wish he, he did speak English because I'd love to have uh, asked him if he really would have signed for Celtic. He probably would have, because at that point in the time, I think he'd gone back to Tampa Bay and he became the. He, he won the MVP for like, assists and all that, even late on, because he was just brilliant, you know. But. Uh, yeah, so that that was brilliant. But no, the uh, Higita would have been something else. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I mean, he's famous. He's famous for the scorpion kick, of course, but uh, infamous for trying to dribble around players in important World Cup encounters and losing the ball. Yeah, um, often didn't he? He did. Nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety, Amy. Quite a few years before uh, you started watching the football. <clears throat> That's us showing our vintage Tony. Yes, but let's cut down on that kind of thing. He'd done it a couple of times earlier in the season. Once against Motherwell in the six shad box, and like Amy says, once you pull it off, that's tremendous. But come yeah. on now, it's one nothing at the time. I think last night, and we don't really have a handle on the game. Well, I also think it'd have been very interesting had Celtic been penalised for the handball against Cameron. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Yeah, you've got to turn around. You've called out other decisions throughout this season. Celtic got away with one there. That's a handball. It's as mm. handball as you'll see, and it was a penalty. Wraith Rovers. You cannot get away from that. And at that moment in time, 
Celtic weren't cruising, they weren't coasting. You know, they were going through the motions a bit and they've got a chance to make it one each. It was a big, big call in the game and Celtic got away with one. You know, and again, I, I was talking about Carter Vickers. I don't know what he tried to do, but he just made a complete and utter hash of it, didn't he? And, and handled it. I mean, the ball, the ball hit his hand. You can't get away yeah. from it, but got away with it. So uh, if you're Wraith Rovers, you've every right to feel aggrieved at that decision because had you scored that, not saying you would have gone through, but you would have knocked Celtic and they weren't even in any kind of stride. So you would have rocked them a bit and it would have been very interesting to see how Celtic would have responded to that because at that moment in time, they weren't playing well at all and they didn't really have a stranglehold in the game. They were one up, granted, but it wasn't. They weren't firing on all cylinders and there was no fluency, no cohesion, which is why the manager acted the way he did and probably thought, if we don't get the finger out here, something like that could happen. Mm. No, I think that was in the midst of you realising that we weren't really building on a performance, uh, albeit the opening goal was an absolute cracker from Scales. I was delighted to see that he was the, the goal scorer. But then, if you look at the two instances this season when Carter Vickers has or hasn't given away a penalty, the Leverkusen one, where it was so, so harsh, in the same box, of course, at Celtic Park, so harsh, you know, his body's completely turned, the ball ricochets off his elbow and he gets a penalty decision against him. Compare that to last night where it was, a, for me, it was a definite penalty. I don't know what the commenters and the viewers think, but uh, let us know your thoughts. But it's not just that decision, because if we're looking at the ref, Amy, let's have a look at his full pan near the end of the game where he fails to book the right player for handling the ball in Wraith Rovers' box. And thankfully, Beaton scored on a second attempt on the penalty. So overall, it was a dreadful uh, performance by the referee, Amy. I mean, what was your thoughts sitting there yourself watching and analysing that game last night? It was a poor performance from start to finish. Some of the things went against Wraith Rovers and I think some went for them. So, like Tony says, let's be balanced about it. It wasn't just a performance that was poor against Celtic. No, not at all. It was, in general, a really, really poor performance from Stephen McLean. I think there was a lot of offsides in the second half where we were sitting, we weren't, and we were behind the goal. So it's tricky to see from that angle. But the, the Yakamakis one in particular is yeah. one that we certainly thought was onside, even you know from our angle, which was not great at all. Um, but there was a few others actually, um, but they, they weren't picked up in the highlights when, when we came in. So I assume that they were fine. But yeah, the um, the misidentity, I don't know, is that, is that what you want to call it? So the Sean Mackey, obviously, Sean Mackey's only on the park for two minutes, gets booked for the Maeda stamp. Not sure if that even is a, a booking from where we were sitting. We didn't actually think it was. Thought it was really unlucky, considering that was the first booking, you know, and he'd only just been on the park. But then, um, yeah, to, to kind of not even deliver that yellow card, aim, aim it at anybody for, for the penalty now I'm, I'm talking about. It's just kind of like wanted it up and you're that it wasn't it wasn't directed at any player but it has to be at Mackey. Um obviously it's not and it's been given to Matthews and, and that's where the confusion reigns. So it, it's a it's just it's an embarrassment really and I think Laura touched on it yesterday um quite perfectly that you know just a matter of weeks ago in the derby we were saying that all eyes of, of Europe really on this game or of the world um and rightly so because it's it's the biggest derby you know if that if a decision like that happened in that game when all the eyes are on the Scottish game on this derby you know Scottish football would just be a total and our laughing stock even more than potentially that it already is viewed as because you know that's a band whatever 
top referee, that's Stephen McLean. It's not a guy who's not used to the occasion, not used to Parkhead, anything like that. He is week in, week out, going to be at one of the top games in the country. So that was just a, a shambolic performance, really, from, from start to finish. And, and that's the that's the issue. See, yourself, Tony, yeah, we're, we're talking about things evening themselves out. I don't particularly agree with that because obviously we were we were keeping the wee black book, uh, but it was overflowing. I think the book was finished um, and Alan Morrison's keeping that up on his blog. Um, but it is a concern because last night you're, you're three nothing up when that happens. You know, my concern is at some point in this season, when you look at that title race that we're in, it could be a much tighter game. Uh, it could be a decision that we're all sitting here looking at and analysing after we've dropped important points in the championship race. That's my big concern. Last night, yeah, the game was won, right? Even had Beaton not scored the, the rebound, the game was well and truly won because of Jota, who we'll speak about mainly. But it is a concern, that, that standard or lack of quality when it comes to the officials. And it's important to bring it up in case anyone's rolling their eyes and thinking, listen, we're through, we're 1-4-0. When you win a game, it's as important to bring it up, Tony, because in the future, we might rue that if we don't challenge it. Well, you're just asking the referees to do their job. Ref the game. That other because was a handball. It's a penalty race. Didn't give it. And how he can brandish that yellow card and then not send the guy off and no mistake my identity. I mean, that, that's an embarrassment for a referee, as he was saying. And see, if you're not embarrassed by that and you get a top game next week, then the SFA should be embarrassed because he's supposed to be one of your top officials. And, you know, every week we are saying these guys aren't fit for purpose because they're making almighty clangers. Why is that? But, you know, my thoughts, they're just utterly incompetent. There's not a good official in Scotland. You, you name me the best referee in Scotland. You can't. Because they're all garbage. And they're all proving themselves, outdoing themselves on a weekly basis on how garbage or inconsistent or terrible they are. If it's not uh, Steve, McLean this, Steve McLean this week, it'll be somebody else next week. Bobby Madden, Nick Walsh, whoever. They are, they're just... Co- they're consistently inconsistent and poor. And you get fed up talking about them, but you have to keep talking about it. So in, when, even when it goes for you or against you. And uh, and, I, and I've said there, I, if you're Wraith, you're really annoyed at that uh, Carter Vickers incident. Because it's pivotal in the game. And if you're Celtic at the end, yeah, as you say, the game's won. But that's not the point. Do the job. No, be the best referee you can be, even if it is in the last few seconds. It's still a red card. How can you? How can you give a yellow card in, in a case of mistaken identity and something like that? It's, it's beyond me. It's, it's laughable, Tony. It's absolutely laughable. You know. I don't know. It's just a words fail me as he's going on a two two and a half minute rant about it. But you know, you just shake your head in, in disbelief. And you've no, whilst I don't wish to see players get sent off, you have to administer the rules. That's, that's what your job is to do. 
No, you're right. And um, I think we bring it up now because if it does happen between now and the end of the season, uh, we're not going to be in as fine fettle on the Monday morning bulletin, are we, Amy? Um, let's talk about something a little better than that, a little bit more positive and the performance of Jota. Um, I don't subscribe to this fact. Imagine we didn't have him. We do have him, you know. Uh, we do have the players on the bench. We've had enough weeks where we've not had that quality on the bench, Amy, to call upon. I mean, we'll... We were calling for the big guns at one point. Callum McGregor was getting stripped and then we realised that actually we've got the goal, we're all right, we're, we're not going to risk you, Callum. But we did have the big guns on the bench and that's the biggest positive we can take from last night. It's not about, oh, you know, thank your lucky stars, you've got X, Y or Z. We've, we've suffered quite a bit this season by not having the personnel on the bench. Last night we did and it worked out for us. How spectacular was Jota's performance? Yeah, it was, you know, light years ahead of, of pretty much anything. Um, he, he was a standout performer um, and it was, yeah, it was just, it was a joy to watch really. You do just want him signed up ASAP because he's, the, the quality that he brings it is unbelievable. You know, he's such a gifted footballer. Some of the, some of the stuff that he does with the ball at the feet, you just have to sit there and go, wow, there was one, um, you know, and he didn't have the right to beat the first man, never mind the second man, you know, and I think, and, and my dad just turned to me, he's like, he has got no right to do that at all. And it is just, it is just mesmerising stuff. You know, the, the ball from Hatati actually for the Yakamakis goal is inch perfect, but for Yota to make that run, you know, get that ball in and to put it on a plate for, for Yakamakis, it did also have to be there, by the way. It's not, I think, again, that's one that just gets like, oh, well, it was, it was a simple tap. And we still had to keep up with the guy that we're totally and utterly, you know, uh, applauding here. So it was just a really well-worked goal. And I think that was probably my favourite goal, um, the, despite Scalesy's finish. But, yeah, going back going back to Yota, what he does, he's just a, a magician on the wing. He has so much energy as well. You know, he comes on, he, he takes no settling in period at all. He just oozes class um, and he's so confident now as well. You can just see that, you know, he, he wants the ball at all occasions. And I think that's something you know, he is dying for the ball. He, he wants it. He gets angry if he doesn't get it. But, you know, the off the ball movement when he doesn't get it is, is equally amazing. You know, um, I felt for the Rafe fullback story when he came on. I think he just like shifted his head because you're just thinking, <laughs> what, a, what a night now I am in for. Because the guy just, the guys are nearly, you know, nobody is getting a beat in him right now. He is, he's light years ahead. Probably, you know, yeah, he, he's the best player in the country by, by quite a mile, in my opinion. He is, he absolutely is, Amy. And uh, like you say, if you want to test yourself as a right back, he's the one to go up against. They double up on him, and and like you say, like David Ginola, he just goes past the two of them. Tony, what was your thoughts on uh, our very own Jota last night? There is talk that we are obviously. Um, discussing constantly this permanent move for him. There doesn't appear to be any rush because we have got the first refusal on Jota. Uh, the release clause is somewhere in between six and a half to seven million. I think that would be worth every single penny. Do you know what I loved about Jota yesterday? Jota came on that part and took it upon himself as he had a duty to perform, to lift the crowd, to lift the people that were inside that stadium and wanted to see something. He took it upon himself when he came on didn't care that it was Wraith Rovers with a matter of the opposition and then that bit of skill at the byline was brilliant you know threading the ball through the, the iron needle when two guys were on him in the byline you, you look at it and you think how did you do that and just you know that's the kind of attitude that I loved about Jota it doesn't matter he wants to perform the best of his ability regardless if he's on for half an hour none of this 
Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I was on the bench. Why was I not playing for the start? Huff, huff type stuff. Mm-hmm. Came on, wanted to make an immediate impact. Was one of the first things he does. He squares the ball for Jackie Marcus for a tap in from six yards. Seven yards, eight, whatever it was. For the second goal, right. The game's won now. That takes that edge off it. And then for the last what, 15 minutes, Celtic were okay and scored another couple, mainly because Jota was on the pack. He just kept giving the ball to him because things were going to happen. As Amy says, he, he is a joy to watch. And it, it doesn't matter if it's Rangers or Race Rovers, you're still seeing the same Jota, which I really, really like. And, you know, obviously the manager said to him, when you go, make something happen. And he's made something happen and everybody's... I mean, how... 30 minutes or something, he was on. He's won the man of the match. I know. You know, that, that tells you everything you need to know about Jota and, mm-hmm. his, and his application, his professionalism and his desire and his effort. And whether and you enjoy him while we can. And as you say, six and a half million quid. If we can get this guy for six and a half million quid, that is a bargain in this moment in time and in this day and age. And you just hope that Celtic win the title and that helps persuade them to stay and have a crack at the Champions League proper and continue this magic carpet ride that he's on with Ange and the Celtic supporters and just the Celtic team in general. Because a lot will depend on that. It will. But he seems happy. And uh, he, he's playing like a player who's happy. And he's making the Celtic supporters happy and he's making his manager happy. Yeah. Personal happiness comes into a lot. Yeah, money comes into it too. But he's going to get money. He's a talented, talented footballer. You know, money will come. Riches will come. You know, play where you're wanted. Play where you're loved. Play where mm. you're happy. And uh, at this moment in time, yeah, you know, if Celtic can get the deal done, I think every Celtic supporter would, would be jumping up and down. But I still think it will drag on to the summer. But I don't think you can accuse Celtic of not doing their homework or not trying if if it fails, you know, if he, and he goes elsewhere, you know, but I'm, I'm more of an optimist on that. I actually think 
that he might stay just because he seems to be a player that's enjoying his football and enjoying his surroundings and just enjoying being a big fish, you know. I, I, I think that the importance of the Champions League is is huge in so many different ways, Tony, not just for the money, because we're always going about the bounty. You win that Champions League, sorry, you win the league, get into the Champions League group stages, £40 million. That, that always seems to be the first line you hear. But the prestige of that, attracting yeah. new players, obviously, but keeping the ones you've already got here, and one of them being in Jota, Cameron Carter-Vickers, yeah, he didn't have his best game last night, but overall, you would be buying him as well if you if you have a chance to buy him. And I think that that's massive, and that's something that we should all be focused on. And also, to satisfy Ange Postacoglu, who mm. is such a massive yeah. part in this whole process of rebuilding Celtic, he's at the forefront. But you mentioned the magic carpet ride, that picture of Jota where he's, remember where he's sitting as if he's sitting on a magic carpet on the on the ground. Iconic images, um, the lot we've had this season. I'm going to come back to a goal that he scored um, in Europe this season because I think it's quite relevant in the James Forrest debate. But before I do that, I just want to um, pass on my condolences to the family and friends of Parcel of Rogues. Now, anybody who's been on Twitter and has had any kind of engagement over the last few years with David, um, who was stateside, he was a stateside Celtic fan, then you will know exactly who I'm talking about. He was funny, he was off the cuff, he was left field, but unfortunately I found out yesterday that he passed away on the 1st of February. Um, we engaged through Twitter and through DM and we were able to send things back and forward from America to Scotland and such. And we had promised Parcel, as he liked to be known, that when he was next in Scotland, he would actually be on a Celtic state of mind. He was a massive fan of Axom and we're going to be really sad that we won't have that opportunity to chew the fat about music and Celtic. So condolences to all the friends and family of Parcel of Rogues who unfortunately passed away on the 1st of February. All the best to everybody who knew him um, and everybody who had a good laugh with him over the years, because I certainly did. Now, when we're talking about Jota, um, it invariably leads to the fact that why did we need a player like Jota to come in and change things last night. Well, there were a few players on that park who were underperforming. The the person that he uh, replaced, obviously, Mikey Johnson, got injured. But on the other side as well, and we'll talk about Johnson, but on the other side, Jamesy Forrest's performance is coming under the microscope, Amy. Now, I, it was brought to my attention just this morning. Yeah, you know, if you want to talk about uh, Forrest and the fact that he's lost it and he's not the player that he was, remind yourself of, of the part he played and the goal against uh, Leverkusen, the 3-2 game away from home that was finished by Jota to put us 2-1 up. Remember that goal must be one of the goals of the season. It was Joe Hart, he's fast thinking, the ball up to Forrest, he's playing back heels inside and out, comes in. It was the free-flowing football at its absolute momentum and the, the goal was scored by Jota. So that's the player that we've seen just a matter of months ago, Amy, uh, against Leverkusen. That was in November. Surely Forrest isn't finished. I've seen a lot of dramatic claims that Forrest is finished. I've seen them last night. I've seen them this morning. It was a bad day at the office for James A. Forrest. Do you have any concerns around his forum? Um, first of all, I just want to echo your sentiments um, about Parcel and um, I, I'm with you there with my thoughts. But going back to football, because he loved to talk about football and, and Celtic, so I, I don't think that James Forrest is finished, but I do think that yesterday's performance was, was rather alarming. 
Um, it's kind of what I alluded to earlier, that you think that if Boris comes in, he should be one of the ones that you should be able to rely on and to be able to rely on in the sense that you shouldn't be able to notice that there's that much a difference that he's the you know, replacement or whatever for, for a badder. But I do think it was pretty noticeable. I felt he was really low on confidence yesterday. The, the, the crowd got on his back, um, especially the one in the second half. He, he just kept taking, you know, so many touches. And it's just the sideways movement, movement sorry, of, of Forrest that I think really frustrates. You just want him, you know, take a shot, even if it's wayward, you've at least had that, you know, effort to, or, you know, intention really bad. I just think it was quite passive from Forrest yesterday. Um, I don't think Forrest got much service. I, I don't agree with that, to be honest. I do think he had the service and I just think he wasn't confident enough really that, to, to take on a man. I don't know, perhaps maybe Tom Rogic wasn't at his best yesterday as well. Um, and I don't know if that maybe affected that he didn't always have, you know, somebody kind of, kind of supporting him. And mm. that's Maybe I could agree with, with Joe's comment there, but other than that, I do just think that he was extremely low on confidence yesterday. Um and I think it was clear to see. I don't know if he just didn't like almost look up for the look up for it. Um but I, I get the alarm bells ringing for it, but I don't think that you can say just because of that that you know his career is ending because like you say only a matter of month months ago, sorry, he's playing such a crucial part and such an amazing goal. Mm. Um on, on a really high stage. So I, I would be reluctant to, to say anything too um, nasty against those words. No, you're right. And you think back to League Cup semi-final as well, Tony, how uh, pivotal James E. Forrest was then. Was a surprise at the reaction? No, because uh, often right after a game, you do get that emotional reaction um, aimed at specific players and the team as a whole. I'm not writing James E. Forrest off. I'm looking at him as a 30-year-old who I don't think he's he's quite there yet. I don't. I actually don't think he's 100% fit and I don't think he's had a, as, as many games as he needs to get to that level. But that's because Abada has been playing so well. But the, the big question for me is if you're going into a big game and, you know, like you said before, we've got 12 big league games. We've potentially got three big Scottish Cup games and we've got a big European game on Thursday. So every game is going to be played in that manner as if it's a cup final to, to be properly cliched. But you ask yourself the question, who do you play? Um, on the right-hand side, because we've already spoken about Juranovic drops out, you're quite satisfied Ralston can do a job. Taylor drops out, you're satisfied that Scales can do a job. Left-hand side, we've seen Jota drops out, we're not satisfied that we've got a, a replacement there in Mikey Johnston. And on the right-hand side, if you're going into a big game, who do you play? At this moment in time, Tony, I'm playing a badder. Uh, but I'm not writing James e. Forrest off. I just think he's in a difficult situation where he's going to get opportunities like he did last night. And if he doesn't hit the ground running last night, he's going to get people on his back. He's had that his whole career at Celtic, hasn't he? Yeah. I just wanted to touch on Pastor Rogues as well. Condolences to the family and all his friends. And I think it's a wonderful quality that when you think of somebody and you smile, and they make you laugh. And even his uh, Facebook and Twitter picture was Ron Moody's character and... Fagan, on I Fagan, and uh, Oliver Twist. Yeah, just that mischievous look about him. He was all all sorts of mischief and humour. The best weapon in the world. Laughter, just make people laugh. And uh, Pastor Oaks had that in abundance. And uh, you know, everybody who came into contact with him, whether personally or verbally or on chats, you you ended up barely laughing. Only just laughing. You were you were barely laughing. And, I think it's a supreme quality to have as a, a human being and 
yeah, I think it'll be it'll be sadly missed by everybody who whose lives he touched and probably blissfully unaware that he touched as many lives as he did. And uh, through his love of Celtic and just his his humour, which you uh, you can always label Celtic supporters for having a wonderful sense of humour, but some are funnier than most. See the thing though, Tony, the yeah. interesting thing about the point you made there. We're all in the world of social media. We know it's not going away, right? It's, if anything, it's, it's going to um, take up more of your day than it already does. I mean, you get your report once a week, if you're like me on the iPhone, and it says your uh, screen time was up or down, and you look at it and go, no chance. How, how on earth could that amount of time be dedicated to looking at my phone in a day? And you work against it, but there is an acceptance, because particularly in the, in the uh, game of alternative or fan media, you're going to be on your phone a hell of a lot. You're going to be engaging with people. And what happens with guys like uh, Parcel of Rogues is you see the positive side of it, don't you? Because there's so much negative. I mean, just this morning, somebody on a Monday morning, going back five months to find a tweet that I put out and then criticise, five months? Where do you get the time, mate? Seriously, get yourself a life five months ago. And I can't even see anything on it where we got it wrong. But we're discussing something about Fraser Foster. I mean, come on, man. Five months, get a life. And then on the flip side, you've got somebody who you don't know, who you've never met. And when you hear yesterday that he's passed away, it saddens you because he has had a positive uh, impact um, on your dealings with your day-to-day social media engagement. So I I think it's a, 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 a reminder, a timely reminder if we need one as well, Tony, See, on social media, it's not about trying to get in about somebody's mints and make their life a misery on a day-to-day basis. It's about engagement. It's about, you know, having communities of people, like-minded people. If that is people of a Celtic state of mind, great, or music, or politics, whatever it may be, it's not about trying to ruin somebody's day, Tony. That's not what it's about. If you were on your timeline and a post from Parcel of Rogues came up, you never scrolled past it, did you? No. You always read it and you always laughed. Nine times out of ten, you laugh because that's what you want. That's what you would have wanted. And I, uh, yeah, I just think that what a gift, what a wonderful gift. And he gave to a lot, and he gave a lot of joy to a lot of Celtic supporters, and, and a lot of laughter and his humour. And you know, if you can be remembered for that, then my goodness, you, you've you've done something right. Fair play to you, sir. And I think uh, because we did send some stuff over to the States, we will be sending a wee card of condolence to his family as well from the Axon team. Tony, Joe Bean comes in. What's that, mate? Joe Bean comes in to say that Forrest didn't get much service yesterday. Johnson got doubled up every time, but poor for from most in the first half. I think when it comes to the Forrest and Johnson debate, it's one we've had so many times on this show, Tony. You've made your feelings known about Mikey Johnson, I think he needs to go away, even temporarily, to rebuild his confidence, to probably work on his physicality and rebuild his football career. Last night, Amy said it. He was in tears when he went off the park. It's like, so stop, start. I mean, I was thinking to myself, uh, leading up to him pulling up, it it looks like a muscle injury, doesn't it? I was looking at that and thinking, well, I don't think Angie's going to take him off at halftime. Because I, I just don't think that would have been conducive to anything positive in Mikey Johnson's head to try and overcome the fact that everything he was trying, nothing was coming off. It was getting doubled up on. What's your take on the two wingers last night, Tony, and their Celtic futures? 
My thought is, much like yourself and Amy's with James Forrest, I'm loath to criticise James Forrest, but I think everybody can see at this moment in time, and whether it might be a hangover from the ankle injury that he had, but he's a shadow of the player that he has been and was, isn't he? You can see that. There's something not connecting, you know, whether it's he's bereft of confidence or whatever, then only James Forrest knows the answer to that. Because we all know he's got ability. You highlighted... You know, the goal in the semi-final, you highlighted the, he's, uh, you know, the build-up play against Betis. He's got it when he wants it. But a lot of things, and as Amy said, maybe Rodjick not having a great game, who would always shunt the ball out to him and you know, give and go, that kind of thing. Just a lot of breakdown yesterday in passages of play that you know, just weren't coming to fruition for Celtic. And James Forrest wasn't alone. But if you're James Forrest and you're saying to the manager, well, you're trying to make a point to the manager, you know, it's a toss-up between me or Abada. You know, there is no toss-up. It's heads Abada, tails Abada, isn't it? At this moment in time, which is a worry for the manager because you need players to do the other one up as well. You know, Abada went out the side because he, he had a dip in form when Forrest was actually playing okay and you were like, well, it's, it's Forrest. So you need this to work in reverse now. But it's far too early to write somebody like Forrest off medal collection and his big game uh, goals and just big game performances speak for themselves. As for Mikey Johnson, you, you, I felt sorry for Mikey Johnson when he walked off yesterday because he was in tears. I think he was in tears for an entirely different reason. I think Mikey Johnson sees the writing on the wall here. And, uh, you know, it could be the beginning of the end for Mikey Johnson at Celtic. He's had so many opportunities and chances I think, to cement the first-team place. And I know he's been injured and it's been stop-start, but I've never, ever once been convinced by Mikey Johnson and said, look, even with a, an extended run in the team, this guy will eventually nail down a first-team spot. I've never felt like that about Mikey Johnson. I've never been convinced. I've always tried to support him in a Celtic jersey when he's played, but he inevitably infuriates the life out of me. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 
And again yesterday was another one of those. You know, he cuts inside and wallops one over the bar inside the first couple of minutes, and you're thinking, Mikey's on it. And then for the rest of the game, you're just like, you know, sometimes, you know, a team player, he plays with a head down, you know, and yet there's undoubted fleeting bits of skill, and he's got quick feet. But I don't know, I've just, uh, I see everybody knows my thoughts about him, and I've just always said that maybe he would be better served going elsewhere. And getting that extended run of games, getting his confidence levels up and becoming the player that people think he, he is. But I just don't think that he's going to cut it at Celtic. And also, we, we have better players. Well, it's easy to compare Mikey and Jota due to the fact that they're both looking to obviously win that, that left-wing berth. But they're both 22. There's only a month separates those players, Amy. And you look at the development um, and, and he's played but also physically of Jota and I know everybody's different but Ryan Christie's a great example of someone who can go away and develop physically um, at that age you know post 20 you're not the finished article at that that age you can go away and still do a lot of work here, man. I just don't think Mikey's ever done that he, he's come back he still looks slight Alan Morrison doesn't reckon he's got the body you know this kind of level of football that's my big concern we know the skills he's got but all the team needs to do is double up on him you know, and yeah, that might create pockets of space elsewhere. Jota could deal with that doubling up. Mikey couldn't. Jota was able to do a lot more in terms of the production, uh, productivity rather, of his play in 30 minutes than, than we've seen from, from Mikey Johnson. So for me, I, I'm more concerned about Mikey than I am about James. I think we've seen James Forrest enough. He's in his 13th season at Celtic. He's only 30 because let's not pretend that 30 is old, Amy, right? And um, in the modern game, we've seen so many players who are going post-35 because they are um, looking after their bodies in a completely different way. So in terms of the Mikey Johnson thing, the debate, I think it all came down to the loan deal breaking down. I think there was a discussion between him and Aberdeen, who eventually took Montgomery instead. That January transfer move, I think, would have been pivotal in the Celtic career of Mikey Johnston. Um, but unfortunately now... I do fear that you know he's going to be a bit part player um, and he might end up going elsewhere by the season's end in the summer. What's your thoughts on the two wingers? Yeah, have you um have you watched the 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 bit of content today from, from Celtic? It's Joe Hart and the Love Hearts. I don't have a Valentine's Day, so that's as good as I'm gonna get from, from uh, Joe Hart today. But <laughs> it's obviously it's reading like you know, like the love hearts of sweets and you get like the little message on them. So he goes through them and he's like rattling off players and it's the cheeky one and it's Mikey Johnson. And I'm bringing this up purely because he obviously he he, he touches actually quite on that Hart says, you know, he's had a really tough time and he actually he's Johnson's a player that he wants to do the best and he, he wants something to, to really transpire for him because he's been so unlucky. And he actually says that he doesn't think that, you know, um, us as, as, a, as a collective, as a support, but he rightly says, you know, it's not our place to know and we can't expect us to know. doesn't know just how quite how much he has actually been through. So I don't know as well in the breakdown of, you know, of the loan deal, if perhaps the club just didn't think it was right. There's obviously um, a lot of talk that it was Johnson himself who who turned the, the loan deal down and perhaps, you know, put a spanner in the works. But the way that Hart was talking about it, there's obviously a lot more going on behind the scenes than we actually know. But to think that how little time Joe Hart's already been there and for Mikey Johnston who's been such a you know 
and not not even a bit part player in that time for him to have that impact and for Hart to already you know I just maybe I'm reading into it too much like I say because I'm not going to better to do it on this 14th of February stupid day um but I felt that spoke volumes though just seeing how you know much Johnson is still a part of this collective um and there perhaps is a lot more going on that, that we don't actually know yeah, I mean, let's have a look at some of the comments coming in, Norbin Kulshi. You comment a lot, so we uh, really appreciate your support. Uh, you're watching on YouTube, and anyone else watching on there that hasn't subscribed, get involved, because there's some massive content coming your way, all free charge on the YouTube channel. Very sad to see you make your limp off, yeah? That's what was that. I think he knew then, as we all do, that his career is over at the club. Um, there's a few people saying that IH decorating Johnson just isn't going to make it at Celtic. Him and Forrest are a huge drop-off in quality compared to Abada and Jota. Ralston too is noticeably limited and is now back up to JJ. I agree he is uh, back up to JJ. I think there's been times this season though where Abada's kind of gone blown hot and cold and you were hoping for Forrest to come in and, and um, um, up the tempo a bit. And I think he has done it a few times this season, but not consistently. And we've also got Johnny Boy 67 and sees MJ in Forrest every day. And if not shown anything to him, I feel he'll be ruthless. I do think Angie will be ruthless, Tony. I do think that. Um, I mean, he's made the comment last night that if you've come in last night and you've not taken your opportunity, it's not as though you're going to be banished. He did say that. You know, it's not as though that's you out of the frame. Um, we've loaned out a few players who were on the fringes. Mikey Johnson wasn't one of them. There will undoubtedly be other opportunities this season. I, I, although, if he doesn't start showing up, I do think that Angel look at it as uh, a player, a jersey, a wage that he can replace in the summer with something better. Of course, he will be looking. He's, he's looking at, he's now planning for next season as well. He's eyes everywhere. So he's looking to bring in players of similar or better quality than Jota and Abada if he can find them. I mean, that's that's his, that's his remit. That's that's what managers do. And you bet your what dollar that Andrew's planning for all this eventuality. You know, he, and he's planning on being in the Champions League. He's planning on winning the title. He's planning on making a fist of it in the Conference League. And a fist of it, I mean, by getting to the latter stages, Stoke winning it because he just wants his team to win every competition that they compete in. So this high intensity, high pressing, high uh, demands that he puts on players, if he he's he's now he's now saying to himself there are certain players that can't cut it and won't mm. cut it. Mm-hmm. So he will be ruthless. But for this moment in time he needs them who who whenever they get that opportunity to perform. But you don't think for a minute that he's not thinking, right, come the end of the season, this and this and this and you know, whoever they may be, and you can speculate as to who, who they are, but I think the manager got a rough idea of who who's going to have to leave what he needs to bring in in order to keep that healthy competition for places with two people vying for the same spot. I think that's the way he works, or that's the way in an ideal world he wants his squad to be a settled 11 with another 11 of equal and maybe sometimes better quality to come in and challenge, or so that it's seamless. Mm-hmm. So that when they do rotate, it's seamless. It's you know, everybody knows their job because, as he said, they do it at training and it becomes second nature. That's what he's ideally looking for, and you can see it to an extent. But he has players there that he said that he's not going to cast them aside. But but if, if he's going to use them, 
and then they don't perform, then it's not the manager's fault at the end of the season. He says, look, I gave you a chance here, there and there. You didn't perform. I, I, I'm, it's now my, it's incumbent upon me to get players who I think can perform better than you and who I think are better than you and will help us moving forward. That's just the nature of football and that's the ruthless nature of football. But what I like about Andrews, you'll no flinch from that. Mm-hmm. That's why he's, he always makes a point of saying, I'm not the player's pal. I don't see them a lot in the dressing room. I see them People don't like sitting next to him in the aeroplanes, do they? That kind of stuff, right? <laughs> because he doesn't want to be their pal. Because he knows at some point down the line he might have to say to them, you know, it's not happening. So he sees them on the training ground and they get, but he doesn't see them in the dressing room and all that. He's not part of that kind of camaraderie. You know, and I, I'm, I'm on board with that. I, I like that about him. Because... See if, he, see if he's like that. He's making the, the best decisions for Celtic Football Club. And that's the team that I support and I want to do well. And he's making those decisions to help Celtic be a successful football club. So I, I'm I'm down with that. And if he has to jettison players, so be it. And he yeah. will. And he won't he won't shy away from it. And I think to bring in better players to replace the ones you will jettison. Yeah, I think Mikey looks like a third choice. In that position, you know, you're quite happy with Scales as being a second choice left back, Ralston second choice right back. Mikey looks like a third choice because of the, the drop in quality between Jota and Mikey Johnson is so large. So if, if we buy a player in that position, hopefully after securing Jota on a permanent deal, you would expect him to be the second choice. And then, you know, and it's the same with McCarthy. I look at McCarthy and think at the moment he's not done anything to be any more than the, the third choice number six. You know, um, Beaton's going to get picked every single day of the week in front of him. Um, that's going to happen. So that's another career that will need to be looked at by Ange, and I'm sure he is. Before we go, because there is only 90 seconds to go, I want to bring up also the return of Julian. Um, the, the, it's been free-flowing in terms of the conversation today, so we've ran out of time. But how massive was that after 14 months? The big man comes back in, Amy, and he gives us that, um, other option in, center, in the central defensive um, positions that we've not really had. Well, yeah, we've got back up with Welsh. Cameron Carter-Vickers has played so many games. We now have another option with Chris Julian. It was great to see him back, wasn't it? Yeah, it was probably the greatest, you know, eruption of any kind mm-hmm. of atmosphere yesterday was uh, upon Julian's um, return. And I, I do think it was sincere. I think it was, you know, perfect for him to get some some minutes. Um I was actually surprised that it was Carter Vickers that came off for it because I thought they might have, that partnership might have, have, have tried out. Um, but I, I don't know, obviously, he will have known Welsh a, a fair bit longer. Don't know actually how much. I was trying to figure that out earlier if they would have played um, together before and I couldn't work that one out. Um, but, you know, he slotted in absolutely fine. Um, it's... Yeah, it's just it's another option as well. You know, it's even at set pieces. You know, you, you actually until you see him again, you forget how tall he honestly is. You know, he's a massive guy, so he should be a a, a better source from corners when you know, as you say, secondary header or whatever it is. But when was the last time Celtic scored right from a from a corner? But we'll we'll take yesterday's um, as one. But it's just going to be another option. It's greater depth at the back as well, and he is he's a classy guy. Yeah, you know this. The thing with, with Julian as well is uh, you're talking about the stature of him physically, 
I mean, we, we really, really missed that at the beginning of the season. Um, we've missed it at set pieces up top, like you say, from uh, corner kicks. We get so many of them and to the point where we've, we've often fallen into that um, that kind of method of just getting the ball back in play because, you know, we really don't have the height, which, which is bizarre when you think about what we've had in the past few seasons. Um, so, Julian, I welcome uh, return to the, the side, Tony, 14 months out huge part of his career um, has been lost. Um, the question was asked last night during the game, is he someone who's going to be pushing for that place alongside Cameron Carter? Because, because you do get a sense if if Julien can get back to his best, that he's going to be a first choice. He's going to be a first choice centre-half. I mean, that's nothing against Carol Starfield. It's nothing against Welsh. I'm a big fan of Stephen Welsh. And I thought, other than a few bizarre situations where he seemed to hesitate a few times last last night, he'd done okay. And he has done pretty well when he's come into the side. But I, I still view Julian as being a guy who was bought as a first choice. And if he can get back up to his usual standards, he will be a first pick for, for Ange. Yeah, I just think we need to be careful with Julian. We're all kind of rushing him back and wanting him to be this dominant centre-half and dominant guy at corners and stuff. I think Angie's quite right. Just introduce him gradually. It's a serious, serious injury that he's coming back from. And, you know, you don't want to tempt fate and just, you know, do something that exacerbates it again or, you know, he's out for a length of time. So we, we softly, softly approach with Julian, but... Yeah, I think looking down the line, if you, if you can get him back to anything near what he was before he got injured, then I think it's logical that he could form a partnership with Cameron Carter-Vickers. That's no disrespect to Starfield or Welsh, who again are very able deputies, if that's your ideal partnership. And I think Andy's possibly thinking that too. But I, it's just wonderful to see him back on the football park. Because, you know, you know the rumour mills like people were saying you would never see him back in a football park. Well, that's how, you know, that's how mad the Celtic supporters are at times. So to actually see him come out, as Amy said, just, just for him to get that reception and you know, be on the grass again and just do what he's paid to do, be a great relief to him. And I think he tweeted last night, 409 days or something, is that right? Then a long time. And, you know, yeah, I think it was a big relief for him as well. Because as you say, that's a long time to be missing, 14 months. And, you know, and just it was wonderful for him personally. And you just wish him all the best and you just hope nothing untoward happens. But I think we have a duty of care towards him as well and just give him cameos here and there until such times when he can start. And, you know, but I think Julian will prove his worth, you know, and he'll prove that he can be trusted to start in the fullness of time. We've got the fullness of time with him. You know, there's nothing, there's no, it doesn't have to start by the next Rangers game or the end of the season. He'll start when he starts. As Anne says, he'll start when he feels the opportunity arises to let him start. But he's been a, a he's been poorly missed, but uh, warmly welcomed back and he's hoping that he can recapture some of that form. Yeah, that definitely. In the past. Oh yeah, absolutely. A cup winner, you know. Big European goals, big goals against Rangers. And that's the kind of thing that, again, we might need between now and the end of the season. It's been a quick one. Amy Canavan, Tony Haggerty on a Monday. Thank you very much for joining me. And thank you, everybody, for getting involved in the comments field 
uh, and making a Celtic state of mind exactly what it is. We'll see you again tomorrow at 12.30 on the Axon Bulletin. Got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Mobile phone companies say they offer their home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.